Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is my good friend, Sherry Vine. Sherry is a veteran in the drag world. She is one of those one of those queens who's just never stopped working. She hit the ground running. She never looked back. Um, you may know her from her show, the Sherry Vine Variety Show. Um, uh, oh, uh, the show on Hulu that she did. <laughs> she just she just told me the name of it. I forgot. Anyway, Sherry Vine has been around for ever in the drag world and she's paved the way for queens like me and we're going to talk about it today on hijinks so buckle up hunker down and sink your teeth into some brand new hijinks m oh m mom everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by legendary drag queen, singer, songwriter, and parody star, actress, uh, dare I say, mogul, <laughs> Sherry Vine. Hi, Sherry. Hi, the poorest mogul you'll ever meet. <laughs> you, I think of you as a mogul because you have never stopped working. Once you started working, you just never stopped. <laughs> That's, yes, that is true. <laughs> I love working. I literally went to dinner last night with Jackie and she was just like, what did you do today? And I was like, well, I was up at seven and I just stopped now that we're going to dinner. She's like, you're out of your mind. And I'm like, it makes me happy. <laughs> you and Bianca, you're very good friends, but you're both similar, similarly, you're similarly like this type A, but always at a hundred percent, like you wake up ready to go. What is that? Is it cocaine? Is it being <laughs> New York girls? You were born in Florida, but I think of you as a New York girl. First of all, sorry that you were born in Florida. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I but, only um, lived in Florida for six months. I mean, I was six months old when my <laughs> parents, they were in college. I would, they uh, left, we left Florida and they moved. I grew up um, the suburbs of Baltimore where many amazing Makes queens sense. come from. Peaches, Christ, Justin, yeah. and Bond. It's like uh, very that whole Baltimore thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, yes, even before Drag Race, of course, Bianca and I were friends in New York City, and we kind of were cut from the same cloth. I, It just sincerely makes me happy, and it's not any mm -hmm. other reason of uh, like trying to get something or leave a mark or whatever. It's really like, I, it makes me happy. I get up, I have one cup of coffee. I look at the news. I go to the gym. Done. <laughs> I come back. I like write parodies. I work on stuff. I do whatever. And then at six o'clock though, I work my ass off. And then at six o'clock, it's like, I punch out and I'm done. Like, unless there's something really has to be done. I'm, I, you know, I can punch out. That's, I mean, I gotta say, recently, just kind of being in, in, in like more of a scheduled working routine for the last like um, four, four or five months, rather than the nightclub routine right. or the tour routine, which is just anything goes, you know, but um, I have never, ever in my adult life been a morning person, even after I quit <laughs> drinking, I thought it would come immediately, it didn't. But I used to really convince myself that in order to do the show, in order to like I'm this grand diva, in order to do the show, <laughs> I, I have to I have to be languid all day and lay around in bed and, you know, just conserve all my energy. 
I'm like completely of an opposite mindset now. Now I like to wake up early, get some things done. And then if I get the chance, but I really try hard to get the chance to just take a walk around to wherever I am. And um, my my new assistant, we both love walking around in malls. I mean, yeah. you know, Kenny, Ke- Kenny loves a mall walk too, but Kenny is like a regimented person. Like when we go grocery shopping, they're like, you have 40 minutes and I'm serious <laughs> because because I can get lost. But oh, um, no, that's so funny. I'm exactly like I mean, Kenny, Bianca and I had gone, walked many, 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 many malls. Together. But you all three, I bet you just zoom through. I like yes. To, <laughs> I yes. like to wander and putter and no. turn around and go back. <laughs> I went to the Beverly Center this morning. Uh, my roommate and I went on a hike. So instead of going to the gym, I was like, let's go to Runyon Canyon. We did this gorgeous hour hike. And then I was like, let's go by the Beverly Center. I need to get socks. Okay, now that what that means to me is I'm going in, I'm getting the socks, and I'm leaving 15 minutes. Yeah. Honey. She has got to go in every store and touch everything. And I'm like, Queen, I know you're never going to wear silver glitter boots. Let's get some socks and go. <laughs> um, I want to talk. You uh, you mentioned, Jackie, um, if this were written, it would be, you know, in parentheses, beat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, you mentioned Jackie. You and Jackie have had a long-standing friendship. Um, I've been talking a lot this year about the power of duos and the power of friendships. I guess I've been talking about it pff, forever. Anyway, um, there's a lot of power in, in uh, uh, friendship and duos. And you and Jackie have something really special between the two of you, where I see you support each other in each other's work, where it's like, if it's Jackie's project this time, you're happy to come in and be the straight man or the ditzy bimbo to her lead and vice versa. She'll come in and be your bitter friend who's off camera teasing (laughs) you while you're being the blonde bombshell. It works, and you're so good at supporting each other. Um, we know that that's not always easy in show relationships. Mm-hmm. How did you and Jackie land at this place where you can stand to be around each other? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I see that in you and uh, Bendela. Well, you know, of course, like- we we fast. I mean, I think we really take inspiration from you and Jackie, you know, we're really, um, we've always like just felt connected to you too for, and, and Peaches and Hecklina, you know, yes. like yes. we, yeah. you know, uh, you know that we're very reverent of the old guard. Yes. Thank well, you. And Thank you, orga- Mother Superior. Oh, honey, please. <laughs> when it's, when it's organic, it just, it's, it just comes easily. Like I watched the, the Christmas show that you guys did and you can really see it. And Jackie and I are always like, oh, gosh, doesn't it remind you of us 20 years ago? <laughs> like, you can really see the love. And like, okay, this number's mine. That number's hers. And you can feel the the support. And Jackie, it's been, you know, we've been friends for, we've been working together and friends since 1991. So it's like 32 years. And we've had, you know, of course, like a normal, any relationship, ups and downs. And it has not always been like, we've had, horrible fights because I'm like, stop fucking it's, this one's not about you. (laughs) Um, and with recently, certainly in the past several years, it's really changed. And we we really have kind of found like for the variety show, she, she's my sidekick. She helped me write a lot. And like, okay, I'm not going to say a word. I'm just going to do it the way you wrote it. I'm like, thank you. And, and then on Dr. Jackie, I'm her sidekick. And I'm like, you, you should like try it like this. I'm like, whatever you want, this is yours. So we've really kind of, I think, found that groove. Do you think, because I'm hearing you talk about it and I've been thinking about this and Monet and Trinity and I have been talking about this on tour. My, you know, there is an abundance right now. And I think that abundance is taking away that 
pressure and that fear that we have to be in competition with each other at all times. Because even when you're supporting a friend, like there's times where you're like, come on, I need a gig too. (laughs) Or like, you know, like uh, uh, we all, but like I've been sensing that there's been an abundance lately and it's so crazy that it's happening at the exact same time that, you know, the legislations are being passed to ban us. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's, a, a, but I think the one is feeding the other. Do you like, do you think that the backlash to drag is making the good allies double down? I mean, we've seen plenty of false allies, but I've been noticing in entertainment. It's like the, there's a lot of people who are like, no, we're going to double down. <laughs> I mean, it's funny because I don't really feel a difference except that the pool is larger, of course, because um, before Drag Race, and this is probably not an exaggeration, before Drag Race, mm-hmm. there were four or five of us that would get booked in Europe. Yeah. I mean, literally four or five. And are in and certainly in New York City, there were a hundred queens in the nineties, but there were like two gigs you could work every single night, every night of the week. Anyway, we always had that com- camaraderie and I feel like a sorority. Like if I couldn't do something, I'd say, here's Candace's phone number. And if Bunny mm-hmm. couldn't do something, she'd be like, Oh, you should call Sherry for that. And it was and once in a while, a queen would come along who was kind of backstabbing. they would last five seconds yeah because that's not how we are and i kind of feel like now that the pool has gotten so much bigger i feel that i still feel with for the most part with most of the queens that kind of support yeah yeah you know like because if we weren't supporting each other this would just be god awful you know one of one of the things that uh, I've said it over and over. They really treated us great on All Star Seven. Um, you know, different people had different experiences, and all the experiences were valid. But like, as far as delivering, like on a, a season about celebration rather than mm-hmm. um, cutthroat competition, I believe they delivered on that. And that doesn't mean though that we the queens of that season did not have to like really stick together on everything <laughs> right right you know and i think it was important and i think i really think that season was objectively a great season because you know we were all working together to support the talent in putting on the best show possible yes and i think if you take that in like metaphysical terms, that's what we got to do as a community right now. It's I mean, like look, we all need to work I, together to put on the best show possible. <laughs> yes. And I really feel like, I mean, it's really hard. It's very difficult. I'm even nervous saying this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's difficult now, right now, to have an opinion, period. Mm. Like you are canceled if you have an opinion that's not the same as someone else. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes, and I'm not going to say anything specific because it'll just open a whole can of worms, but I want to scream like fight the real enemy. They yeah. are not the enemy. <laughs> yeah. You know? And I feel like you, you can't, Whoopi Goldberg said something about it. I don't watch the view. I can't stand it, but I just saw a clip of her. <laughs> talking about that exact thing where she was like, oh my God, you used to be allowed to disagree with your friends and now you can't, you can't have an opinion. Did you see that clip of Miriam Margulies with the, um, Miriam Margulies with um, uh, trans members of an Aboriginal tribe? Oh, um, yes. Where where she puts her foot in her mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she puts her foot in her mouth, kind of asserting Western concepts of femininity and what it means to be trans. And they tell her that it's not like that in their her, their community. And she, without getting defensive in the slightest, apologizes, points out that she put her, for, her foot in her mouth. Yeah. And then they go on having a conversation. And right. I've been saying for years... That's how it needs to happen, you know? And it's yes. like, 
that's how a mistake in a conversation needs to happen. And there's a big difference between yelling into the void in the on the internet, you know, <laughs> and someone making an honest mistake. And right. we got to <laughs> use our common sense and our context clues to decipher the difference between a, a an an earnest mistake and and someone actively trying to harm others. Yes. And the 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 problem is now is that like you said someone was kind of pushing you're like just be open. It's about content. It's like, well, that's the problem. Someone will pull the three words out of context and post it. This is what they said. And it doesn't matter what the context is. You're done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, I, I've been saying this is my, this is my most optimistic look at it. Look at what we're discussing right now. We have existed so long in one end of the spectrum of this conversation of being mindful to other people. You know, (laughs) we have so long existed where. It's just every community for themselves, you know? (laughs) Right. right. And and now we have to go to the opposite extreme to see what works and what doesn't work. Not all of this is sustainable, but a lot of this has led to progress, you know? And it's so frustrating that that we can't use more common sense and context clues But I think that like we right now we're at one end of the pendulum and we're going to find our way back to something sustainable. You know, I I don't know. That's my most optimistic. I mean, I hope so. And I really like really hope and wish for that. And then there's times where I think, okay, yes. And then they're like when Biden won, I was like, oh, thank God. Okay, the country's Mm -hmm. like waking up. And now I'm like, no, they're they're not. (laughs) And it just like next year terrifies me and like it really does because it's like yeah what everybody there's just everybody's angry and everybody hates everybody it's like oh my god like what is it about trans and lgbt and drag i mean obviously the whole drag thing is about changing the the focus off of taking the focus off of guns and putting it somewhere, it's just a spin. I mean, the Republicans have always been great at the spin and the Democrats are terrible at spin. <laughs> but that's what it's about. But yeah, it just tear Like, I, it's literally, what's going on right now, I think, is the tip of the iceberg. Like, as soon as they find a, that they can get away with this, then yeah. they're going to no, start absolutely. going. That's, that's absolutely, and we have seen so much artwork and content and media about this you know like handmaid's tale is about Uh, this point in time we are at right now that is a dystopian look at where we could go if if this doesn't get checked you know it's supposed to be science fiction exactly and And when it was originally written it was i'm sure but you know? I literally could not watch it during the pandemic when Trump, like I physically yeah. could not watch. I had to wait until Biden won where I was like, oh, maybe I can go back to Handmaid's Tale now because it was just so real. And when you have these, I forget, his Vance in Ohio and yeah. Lauren, who literally say things like, there's what the the founding fathers wanted this country run by the Bible. I'm like, you're an idiot. I mean, and they scare me because they really, there's Patty Lapone said it actually, I think also on the view, she said, they want this country to be the same as like Sharia law run by the Bible. Yeah. And it's, well, I mean, first of all, for anyone listening, I just want I just want to say I'm pretty sure the founding fathers <laughs> saw how I mean like I don't know. I don't know what we're going through the founding fathers head and I'm not going to assert it. But I thought we were going to get on here and start talking about sucking dick and we We're gonna we're gonna that's next. That's next. Um but the founding fathers I I don't know. I was just talking with the girls on this tour about how 
you know, um, the monarchy, the idea of the monarchy, God, God chose this person to lead their people. And so if you get everyone believing that, then whatever that person says, that's, oh, God said that because he's God's representative on earth. You can't wield that kind of power. <laughs> like, no, and I'm I've God always... now, everyone. So I, if I say go decimate this country, don't worry. God's got your back. God's got my back. So God's got your back. And they're trying. And so like the founding fathers fought to escape that mentality. So the fact that they're using the founding fathers as it's Animal Farm. It's fucking Animal Farm. Everyone go read Animal Farm. Okay, yeah. moving on. <laughs> Sherry, let's talk about sucking dick. Now, um, I'm in Australia. The last time you and I toured together was the Comedy Queen's tour in Australia. Do yep. you remember how I would come to the bus every morning and just be like, la, 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 because I had had the most amazing sex the night before. I don't know what was happening for me on that. Um, trip, you and Monet were hooking up, right? Not with each other, but yeah, <laughs> that's, that's the trip where Monet and I, um, one, oh my gosh, this, this trade was talking to me and then I opted to take a nap rather than hooking up. And then he ended up then hooking up with Monet. So as I left my room to go down for a pickup, um, he is coming out of Monet's room and I was like, oh, he ended up coming by the hotel after all. Anyway. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> but, um, I want to talk to you about your work as a parody artist, which mm -hmm. often includes very um, descriptive acts uh, such as <laughs> sucking dick. It also is a lot of, okay, it's a lot of toilet humor. Yeah. Sherry, you've been doing this like gutter <laughs> filth <laughs> parody material for so long. But it's so obviously like what I love about you and your parody work is just you're so like matter of fact about it. You're like, I'm Sherry Vine. I'm a drag queen. I'm a slut. Here's a song about it. You know, right. <laughs> yes. I'm Sherry Vine. I think poop's funny. Here's a song about that. You know, yeah. How did you land doing the work that you do? <laughs> okay. I've been writing parodies since high school. So 10 years before Sherry Vine. And this, this, the, the truth is how it was born was I was auditioned for the high school. My high school was doing Wizard of Oz and I auditioned convinced I was going to get the part of the Scarecrow. And I was a senior. It was going to be like my last show. So I was like, I'm finally going to get the, the one of the leads, the part that I want. And I didn't. And someone who had never acted ever before got it. And I was so mad that I quit. And I, I went and got work release. So I'd only had to take three classes in the morning. And then I left. And I sat down and wrote the filthiest parody of every song in that show. And I was going to Xerox all of it and put it in the programs. Which I never did. This is but the best fucking origin story I've ever heard. Story. And that is how it started. And I just, I performed out of drag before I did Sherry with um, this guy named Robbie Daniels, who was the first DJ at Tranny Shack. And I had known him for a thousand years. In the late 80s, we performed together in LA as this duo called the Skinny Boys, because we were both <laughs> sticks. And we did like, parodies and stuff so i've always done it so when i started performing as sherry fine it really was just like this kind of natural transition and i certainly don't take any credit for the genre at all but i had never seen anyone in drag do that until i met jackie but before i met jackie i really had not seen any i saw vaginal cream davis once downtown la <laughs> and she was like singing punk and at that point, Davis, at that point, Davis is just decoration. Vaginal cream <laughs> Davis. I love that. That's yeah. <laughs> that is how it started. 
And, and then when I met Jackie, and even in the beginning, Jackie was doing parodies, but they weren't really dirty. She was doing like yeah. scathing commentary and yeah. um and funny parodies, but they weren't all, all necessarily filthy. And then we yeah. kind of teamed up together and then okay. I try to write Jackie's actually brilliant. She could sing a parody about Jello. Oh, I was just hilarious. thinking about the Jello. <laughs> I mean, it's so funny. And I just, I honestly don't really, I don't have that talent. I have a handful of parodies that I think are funny that aren't dirty, but that's just not what I do. And I know like fart humor, some people are like, you are an idiot. I'm like, I can't argue with that, but I think it's funny. Do you know, um, someone, oh God, this is gonna, <laughs> this is gonna sound like shameless self-promotion but someone <laughs> someone wrote something in a review about my stand-up special redhead redemption which said the humor i'm paraphrasing wildly but it said something like the humor isn't broad but if you try to please everyone it's going to be inauthentic and what works about this is you can tell that this is what Jinx finds funny. Yeah. And that was so meaningful to me as a review, because that is what I went into the, I was like, when I went into writing the show, I worked with my writing partner, Nick Sahoya. And for years, you know, I've just been like so worried to lean into what I find funny because I'm like, it's too much in this direction or it's too absurd or blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, the more you lean into what's genuine and that's what people are craving is authenticity because we're being bullshitted in every other avenue of our lives. We, yeah. uh, if we can get authenticity from our artists, yeah, then we can survive this. You know, yeah. there, you know I had a, a really good lesson. This is probably like 10 or 12 years ago in New York City, where it was the HX Awards. HX was like the big gay rag. And they were having the HX Awards and a huge show. It was at the Chelsea Cinemas, packed. And I was performing and I was like, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do this. I had to, I made my kind of own version of Madonna's Burning Up. I had eight dancers choreograph this huge kind of epic number. Well, they introduced me and everybody's like, yeah, la, la, la. <laughs> and then... A minute into the number, I had the realization, I was like, this is tanking. <laughs> Not because it was, I don't think it was bad as much as it was people heard my name and they're like, okay, we're ready to laugh. And I was not yeah. delivering any laughs. They're like, why is Carol Burnett <laughs> Tina Turner? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It just didn't work. And I was like, okay, you know, that what I wasn't being authentic. I mean, as an artist, I wanted to do something different. But at the same time, I think now I have found a way to do both. Like, okay, yeah. I can answers and I can do this, but there has to be jokes in there. Um, yeah. And well, I recently did a show last month in North Carolina where my mom lives. She's 85. She's seen me perform, of course, a hundred thousand okay. times, but never seen like a full show of just me doing the parodies and I kept saying you don't have to come you don't have to come and she's like how often are you going to do a show here I can't travel anymore I'm coming and I'm like okay it's filthy she's like it's all right after the show she came she's like you know it never I never thought that it was dirty or offensive because it was so stupid I couldn't stop laughing yeah and I was like oh my god that is the best ultimate compliment exactly what i want it to be if you think like it's just about eating ass then that's not funny but it's so stupid that i think it just gives people permission to laugh yeah i think there is a lot of power in stupidity i mean what <laughs> one time i said in an interview Someone asked about mine and Dela's process, and I said something like, "We generally start with our stupidest ideas and work from there." <laughs> yeah. And and Dela was like, "Don't tell them we like 
our show is comprised of our stupidest ideas. <laughs> it's not, you know, it's very refined. We start with our stupidest ideas, but, but like, uh, <laughs> but no, I really think a lot of like, a lot of my best work with major scales, with Dela, with Nick Sahoya, by myself, just comes out of like, you know, you're sitting around with your friends, you say something that's funny to you, and everyone goes, that is so stupid. And then you're like, oh my God, I gotta do it. Yeah. Anything that stupid is gonna be amazing. <laughs> yeah, Ayla gave me this really sweet compliment at the last show I did in LA, which was like in April. And because, you know, it was just me standing there in one costume singing about three different themes for the whole show. <laughs> Dana came up after the show and they were like, oh my God, that was so funny. I was like, well, it wasn't, you know, I saw your show and, it, you know, talk about production valuable. And Dana was like, don't underestimate the power of making people laugh. Yeah. And I'm like, thank you. Absolutely. Especially now. Especially like, and I ha- now. I hate saying that tired in these times, especially now, but it is, it is very true. 100% right. I mean, if I feel like with people that are just watching the news all day and this school shooting and this descent, like all of this stuff going on, if you can sit for an hour and forget about that and laugh, then there is something powerful about that. And you know, just being a queer artist, a gender activist in the work that you do, you are doing the work by getting up there and telling your poop jokes and your <laughs> dick sucking jokes and your ass eating jokes unapologetically because Thanks. this is America and our founding fathers were men in wigs. So why can't we be? <laughs> well, yes. And especially now with everything going on now, like in Florida, I just want to be extra filthy because it's like, fuck you. I'm yeah. not going to cave into that. Get um, get back at them by saying, Florida, I was born there. You're responsible for this. <laughs> You have toured with Kenny, um, my business manager, best friend. Um, Kenny's been a, a, a drag, a backstage drag legend for the last 10 years because they're very good at their job. So they've toured intimately with you. And um, they told me to ask about two things. Oh, no. <laughs> I know you already know one of them. Um, <laughs> let's start with the easy one. They okay. told me to ask about the Madonna slash hat story. Madonna hat? It said Madonna hat. Oh my God, why am I blanking out? Well, if Madonna? you can't remember that one, we got to go oh, straight I know to the... <laughs> Let me think, Madonna. It's funny because I just started reading this book today called Helen of Troy that Kenny sent me because we have the same mm. taste in literature. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we send each other books. And Kenny sent me this book called Hello, I'm sure I just started. Madonna, oh, I know what it is. Okay. The, my first paid drag job ever. Uh-huh. I was still living in LA. I was just about to move to New York City. It was living in LA the first time. 1991, I guess. And Shishi LaRue hired me and Candace Kane, we, who were roommates in 1991. <laughs> To go to the premiere of Paris is Burning in drag. Mm-hmm. And I, my friend Sergio, I had just been like, you know, Goodwill clothing for drag, thrift store. My friend Sergio, this designer, made this uh, gorgeous outfit. It was like, you have to wear, you can't wear that to this premiere. I'm like, okay. It was this gorgeous dress with this cape and this massive yellow hat with feathers. And we go in and I sit down and as soon as the lights start to go down, Madonna's like, are you going to take that hat off? Because she was (laughs) two rows behind me. I was like, oh, yes, girl, I could take the hat off. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 
Uh, that is a great story. I oh, it, it, I wanted to interrupt your story to say, because you said, my friend Sergio, who was a designer, I want to say, and he went on to be Sergio Valente. <laughs> um, now, let's talk about the story you know is coming. I said mm-hmm. I wasn't going to bring it up, but um, Kenny said that you've already talked about it publicly. So oh my God. If, I fucking love those kinds of stories. If, if this is, okay. if you have any new angle you want to take on this story, please tell my listeners, because I don't think y- y'all understand there are glamorous parts to this lifestyle and there are really absurdly human parts to this oh lifestyle. My God. First and of one all, of the biggest rules on a tour bus is you can't go number two on the tour bus because no. it will stay on the tour bus yes. and everyone has to live with it. No so. pooping on the bus. That's rule number one. That is true. And we're on the tour. It's like me, Bianca, Kenny, and like a couple other people. And you know how it is. You pull up to the city. Sometimes it's like six in the morning. I'm just waking up and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get my clothes on and go out to find a Starbucks or somewhere. I can go to the bathroom and get a coffee. And I started to put my pants on and it was one of those red (laughs) (laughs) alarms. I'm like, (laughs) you are not going to make it off this bus. I was like, I'm going to go to the bathroom right now. And I started to sweat and panic because I was like, this is happening. It's like bridesmaids. Like, it's happening. It's happening. I just literally grabbed the CVS bag that was sitting there, (laughs) ran into the toilet, pooped in the bag perfectly, I might add. (laughs) And, And wrapped it up. And then, you know, people kind of like freak out. I'm like, but that's the end of the story. It's like, I got off the bus. I threw it away. I went and got my coffee. No one had to know. No one would have ever known. But of course, I'm so stupid. I'm just like, that's what I just did. I think I'll (laughs) laugh at this, I hope. And I told that story and they're cracking up. And of course, I was like, well, let's just keep this. You know, what happens on the bus stays on the bus. And of course, that night. Bianca walks out on stage after my thing. She's like, you can't tell her anything. Don't applaud for her. That bitch just shit in a CVS bag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, Sherry. Well, I hope that that's the next song. Honestly, (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe it's not a song already. As a parting gift, I gave, I literally got CVS bags for everybody, wrapped them in a little box with a bow. That's like the end of the tour gift. I'm like, you never know. Uh, let us talk about the Sherry Vine. I can't think of a better segue um, to promote your very own <laughs> TV variety show, um, yeah. the Sherry Vine variety show. Um, it's out on Out TV June 8th. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's season two. Season and I've, two. I've seen you've worked. Um, oh my gosh. It, the sketches are hilarious. I, I haven't seen all of them, but I saw one with Bob that yeah. just was bonkers. And of Bob course, it's like. It's so nice to see you getting your ideas coming to life, like fully realized this way. <laughs> it's, it's bonkers and hilarious and perfectly you. Um, tell us about season two. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that so much. It is literally <laughs> true because, you know, Carol Burnett is my biggest inspiration and icon and I worship her more than anyone. And that's all I've ever wanted to do. I feel like the variety show is a way to kind of show off singing and sketch comedy and parodies and playing different characters, acting, singing, like all of it. And I had done two seasons of a show called She's Living for This for Here TV, which I think is also on Hulu and Amazon. And yeah. then and we then, watch, I've watched that one. <laughs> and then what, what kind of was, I kept talking about moving to LA for a while. And I had been talking to Jacob at PEG about 
doing a new variety show. And one day he just was like, you know, this would be so much easier if you lived here. And I was like, okay, click. I was like, I'm moving to LA. <laughs> I have to give a lot of credit because he stuck with that project for like two years because he really believed in it. I had not been on Drag Race. You know, all the other queens at PEG have been and are big stars. And But he really believed in this. And he is the one who made this happen. And season one was difficult for mostly because it was during lockdown. Mm -hmm. So we were filming that during the pandemic. Like it was everyone had to get tested every day. And I, obviously no one could come in from out of town. And we only could film at a couple locations. It was really, really trying, but I was like, okay, we did it. So for season two, I was like, all right, now let's go. Where are we going to, let's do more locations. Let's try and get more people involved. You know, like in season one, I was like, okay, Mario's playing all the male parts. Mario's the man. Because <laughs> I didn't want to go through the trying to get someone else with all the testing yeah. and everything. So season two is, I think, and watching season one, I really kind of, um, I'm pretty self-critical and self-aware mm -hmm. where I can watch and be like, mm, a seven minute sketch on a 22 minute episode is too long. It's a third. <laughs> let, instead of one seven minute sketch, let's do two three minute sketches where we can play mm -hmm. different characters. So I really think I learned a lot. Oh, yeah. We, uh, we really had one commercial parody in season one and people loved it. So I'm like, OK, now we need one for each episode. The, all the numbers are original. Markaholic and I did all the songs. Nothing bought or purchased. They're all original from start to finish. And so I'm really proud of that. And um, yeah, I think when people watch it, I think they'll be it's hilarious. I mean. Hopefully for season three, we'll have more of a budget to fly people in like you and stuff. But um, I was really lucky to have people who I adore and think are so talented that are also friends all say yes. Like yeah. Monet, girl, anything for you. What do you need? Bianca had literally just ended her tour, flew back from South Africa, came <laughs> right to the set, did it, went in to get her foot surgery. So I was just like... Okay. <laughs> pay off and she's here doing this for me so yeah it was really great that's it sounds incredible season two of season the sherry two. vine variety show um june 8th out tv and um you have guests you mentioned bianca and monet there's also tammy brown kelly mantle yep. drew drogi varla jean herman angina pandora box there's not a second pandora yet <laughs> pandora <laughs> box <laughs> honey davenport manila um i can't wait to I, you know what i have to catch up i have to catch up i've been in this weird uh mental space where i just can't take in anything new right now because uh -huh. i've just i haven't had enough of a reset i've been away from home for so long that i'm kind of just like I don't know. I don't want to say treading water because that makes it sound. No, I'm kind of just like keeping myself as mentally in a great place until <laughs> I get to go be back in my safe space. Yeah. So it's kind of just one of those times where it's like whatever guilty pleasure of television. And normally that's just rewatching old episodes of <laughs> sitcoms from the 90s or some <laughs> shit. But, so I've got to get to the place where I can take in new information and then yeah. I will binge watch the Sherry Vine I, variety okay. show. <laughs> uh, only fly Delta like I do. But anyone else that flies Air Canada, season one is on Air Canada right now. Amazing. Yeah. Air Canada. <laughs> Sherry, I have compulsory questions I ask every guest. Yes. Um, signifies we're coming to the end of this wonderful conversation. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I forgot about the time zone difference. You took a sip of your red wine. And I'm like, Sherry, it is noon. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm in Australia. <laughs> no, I told you, I punch out at 6 p.m. and 
Us the one. I watch Jeopardy because I'm a geek. <laughs> I love you so much. Okay, okay. Here are my compulsory questions. Okay. Number one, who's your celebrity crush today? I'm obsessed with um oh my god, why can't I even think of his name right now? Tom. Um ugh, he was Bane and Mad Max. Oh my god, what's wrong with me? Do you know who I'm talking about? Do you see Mad Max? Tom Hardy. Tom, Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. Uh, thank you, <laughs> thank <God>. you Joseph. <laughs> he is baby daddy. Oh my God. I'm obsessed <laughs> with Tom Hardy. Um, my celebrity crush today, I'm going to say, so this is actually my husband's celebrity crush, but I'm developing one too by proxy. And I'm saying this, hopefully manifesting that he will join us on the podcast someday, or that they will join us on the podcast someday. Um, uh, Jacob Wesley Rogers, if you're listening, um, Jacob Wesley Rogers, uh, performed for the telethon we just did. Oh. Um, uh, they were one of the performers uh, coming live from New York. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. um, and they are a rising queer singer-songwriter, and their uh, um, their material is amazing. So check them uh, out, lady. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I kind of go for... I know who you go Alpha. for. Alpha. <laughs> I want him to fuck me like a pig and then cuddle and watch Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> Your next question is, are you spiritual? <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, I bet Tom Hardy could get me to see the light. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm very spiritual. Wonderful. <laughs> Not like culty. No. Yes, I am very spiritual. I ghosts and magic and all of that. Yeah, it's just more fun that way. Yes. Right. Like I believe I believe earnestly in magical like magic. I believe earnestly in that there is a magic that exists in our world and in the universe. But I also believe pragmatically. It's just my life and it's more fun. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am 100% on board with that. Like I want <laughs> Even dragons. I mean, of course, I know they're not real, but I was like, oh, I would love to believe in dragons. Well, we'll never know. We'll never know. We'll split a portal open someday, like in the mist. And... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> my final question for you is, what is your go-to karaoke song? I loved doing uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, if I can find someone to do it with. Because uh, I do a lot, I perform a lot on the Atlantis Gay Cruises. I've done like 28 of them. And it's my favorite gig because I love traveling. And I'm like, I'm getting paid to travel. It's a yeah. great job. And I, you do three shows. The rest of the time you're off and you're free. But you, I have to always do one karaoke. It's one hour. <laughs> mandatory so i don't have a choice and sometimes it's you know you got to kind of inspire people to get up and do it so i'll pull someone up and be like, let's do paradise by the dashboard light together um if you got if you got a spare moment after this go onto youtube i uh, alaska and michelle visage did that as a duet on one of our drag race cruises uh -huh. back in the day um it's quite a sight i think alaska's dressed as a cat it's, 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 it's something, to, it's something to see. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Sherry, where can, uh, where can my listeners find you online? And I didn't, I didn't want to make this joke and even put this in the air, but your name is Sherry Vine, <laughs> V-I-N-E. <laughs> Girl, real quick, I was uh, performing in Puerto Vallarta. I wake up and my <laughs> phone is flooded with messages like, it's okay, we still love you. Oh You'll my God. Be strong. I mean, flooded. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Oh. And and I called Diana, who I work with a lot. And I was like, what is, what, am I missing something? She's like, Sherry Pie. And, but there were, there were, 
legit gay publications where I was on the cover, like Sherry Vine kicked off. I'm like, I'm not even on drag. I mean, (laughs) oh my God, it was bad journalism. And also this, you'd think, you'd think, you'd think. But so where can they find you? Find me on, uh, I know we talked about a lot of things, but if you go to sherryvine.com, it has links for all my music. It will have links of where you can watch out the Sherry Vine Variety Show season two. It has links of where I'm coming. I'm traveling all over the world all summer. So everything can be found on sherryvine.com. Sherry, you are a living legend. You are a, a path paver. <laughs> a groundbreaker and um from uh, a dra- from this drag queen half your age thank you for your service no i love you so much thank you so much for doing this and have a great rest of your wine and <laughs> i will i love you and tell those girls i said hi i will have a great day <laughs> okay baby big kiss bye Bye. And thanks so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have a new episode every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram, at Jinx Monsoon official on TikTok, and at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. If you want tickets for uh, this summer's tour, everything at stake, go to jinxmonsoon.com. We'll be going all through the North Americas. (laughs) 44 cities. Um, We've added shows in LA and somewhere else. So uh, check out the website, get your tickets. Um, That's what I'm gonna be doing next so uh get ready to hear a lot about tour life (laughs) have a wonderful rest of your day and i'll see you next wednesday for some more hi jinx m oh m mom to listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio. <laughs>